This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. New Zealand Bridge, sponsoring Bridge from beginner to international, nationwide. Welcome to the Bridge Zone. You're at the table with Barry and Mariana. It has been a slightly frustrating week because of the COVID levels moving in and out. And yes, we are recording early, so we do know that Auckland is moving to level two. But Barry, you've got a question about the New Zealand Swiss Pairs being held in Wellington next week. I think it's called the National Swiss Pairs. I've got a question, but I don't know whether anybody's got the answer. And that is, what will they do? Because Auckland's still remaining at level two until Sunday morning. The tournament starts on the Saturday. So I'm not quite sure how that's going to work. Because if they're in level two, that means they can't mix in groups of more than 100. And they'll be way over 100 at the National Swiss Pairs. Just wondering what's going to happen there. Could be a bit awkward. That's another thing, isn't it? They won't think to postpone it, just like before the big events. Barry, they've been cancelled because the Aucklanders can't get there. I hope it doesn't have that big of an impact, but who knows, and everybody will be ready for it, I bet. I think when I had a look, they had something like 40 tables, and about eight tables were involved Aucklanders. So okay. certainly don't want to miss out on the Aucklanders playing in it, but I'm just not sure how it will work. Mm-hmm. I guess we might find out closer to the time. Are you making a move to go down that way? Yeah, we were going to go and play. We're still intending to go at this stage. Um, let's just hope they run it. Yeah, yeah. Blimmin' heck. Well, now that I know that news, our holiday news can go back to what we originally planned. So we've been up and down, but we're still flying out on Sunday, which is awesome. And now we can get back to planning our trip and our concert will still be on with Crowded House, so that's amazing. Talking about holidays, but getting back to bridge, those Gold Coast people, they've got big ears. They have got big ears, I know. It's going to have a wee impact on us here in a little old New Zealand, but I think everybody would be pleased with the news that you have. Yeah, Kim Alloway from the Gold Coast Congress sent me an email and saying that they've got big ears and they'd heard us talking about them last week (laughs) and uh, about the Gold Coast Congress perhaps not going ahead in 2022. Gosh, that sounds like a long way away, doesn't it? It But it's not really. Anyway, they've said that they can confirm that they are definitely going ahead with the Gold Coast Congress in 2022. (gasps) There'll be lots of Kiwis breathing a sigh of relief and looking forward to that. The only possible worry about that is we'll be allowed to go to Australia without going into quarantine in 2022. Let's hope so. It is a big ask really to say definitely because this jolly pandemic is swinging around and around and evolving so fingers crossed but hey Australia that is fantastic news for today and we'll celebrate that. Yep we will. I guess that um, they're saying they're going to go ahead anyway even if you know, perhaps not all of the Kiwis or maybe not any of the Kiwis can make it there. I mean, I think they should if they possibly can. They'll, they'll miss the Kiwis. There's a lot of them that go there every year. I mean, good on them if they're going ahead with it. Yes, I know. And I know you were talking about the isolation. I had a customer at the bank, actually. He had gone over to Taiwan and he had 14 days of isolation over there. And when he came back, he had 14 days again when he came back. So a month sitting in 
a hotel room. He wasn't overly impressed, but he did enjoy his holiday. But just think about that, a month in a hotel room. Well, aren't they Queensland? I think we can go there without isolating when we get there, but when we come home to New Zealand, we still have to go into quarantine. Mm. So I wouldn't be going if I had 14 days from quarantine on the way home. Well, <laughs> and because it's... $3,000 for it. Yeah, well, that's, that's right. That's what I was going to say. And you have to front up with the cost yourself because it's self-imposed, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I think they should count playing bridge as a, you know, essential work. It's a mind sport. It's essential. I've got to keep my my body and soul together. Yeah. What are all these bridge addicts out there? You have to feed the addiction. <laughs> I don't think it's ever going to take off, Mariana. I don't no. think talking to the Minister of Recreation and Sports is going to help us either. Let's go off to the pond. Phenomena. 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 What's this? It's Kermit's Bridge Tips with Pam Livingston. Good morning, Pam. Good to see you at the pond again. Hi there, Mariana. My tip this week is for developing players. Keep your bidding system simple and make sure you understand the basics. Gosh, there's so much to think of when you're playing a session of bridge. And when you're a developing player, a junior or intermediate You want to make it as easy for yourself as possible. So I would recommend keeping your bidding system very simple so that there isn't too much to remember. But not only that, it's more important that you understand a simple system than you play a complicated system that you don't understand. So if we take it back to basics that we've talked about before, bid what's in your hand. And I was talking last week about It's quite hard to make good decisions when you're getting bad information, so we want to avoid that. Keep it simple and let's avoid bidding stuff up. Wow. Power in the basics, Pam. Indeed. I see a lot of keen players wanting to play fancy new bits of system, but I promise you, understanding the basics well will get you further faster. You know, I play quite a bit with Jan Alabaster from Christchurch and we've had quite a bit of success over the last couple of years. I would say of the big tournaments in New Zealand, we probably play the simplest system of just about anybody, but we understand it well. That's a great tip. I like that. Yeah, keep it simple, make it a bit easier on yourself and give partner good information on which to, to make good decisions. Hey, I have a question for you. Go on then. How is your coaching going? My coaching's going well, really enjoying it. I still have spaces. If any of you are interested and want to try your first lesson for free. So would love to hear from you. No obligation lesson and see how you like it. Okay, well you can sign me up for that. I'll definitely make contact when I get back from holiday. Oh, I look forward to that, Mariana. So will I. Can't wait. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right, then. Thank you, Pam. Catch Kermit next week for another tip. See you. Hey, listen, when I get back, we're going to start the lessons at Hamilton Bridge Club. I was talking with Judge Julie earlier, and she said that Auckland has had a tremendous response to people wanting to learn our beautiful game, and they've got... Over 60 people registered their interest, Barry. Well, that's great news. 
isn't it? Poor. How do they get so many? <laughs> well, there has been talk about hearing about Bridge on Community Radio and lessons coming up. So that's absolutely fantastic. And by the way, Hamilton is hitting around about 24 at this stage and the numbers are growing. Had another four people interested on the email today. And we have two lots of lessons in Hamilton. They have Tuesdays and Fridays. Is that 24 on one of those? It's yep. split. So it's about 12 at the moment. But that's good. early days... That's right, and yet anybody who's listening in and they've got somebody in Hamilton that wants to go to the, the lessons, what day are they starting, Mariana? Uh, it's Tuesday the 16th of March at 7 o'clock at Richmond Street, and on Friday that would be 18, 19th, 10 o'clock. And sadly, we might get a little bit of influx because our other bridge club, Waikato Bridge Club, they're not hosting lessons this year. So we may see a slight increase from there. And thank you, Brian Geller, for forwarding our email on to some of the people that registered their interest. It's been greatly appreciated. And probably anybody that comes to the Hamilton Bridge Club's lessons, a lot of people do end up playing at both clubs. It hopefully will benefit both of us. Well, Morrinsville Bridge Club actually started their lessons last week and we got feedback from Mike today. Oh, OK. What was that? Well, he said that his partner Linda absolutely enjoyed the bridge lessons that Nick Whitten took. And he says, and I can see where this is heading, I'm going to be a bridge widow. <laughs> But that makes him a bridge widower, doesn't oh, it? Oh, no, I don't know. You know, it could be a woman to be a bridge widow. A guy who's a widow is a widower. Well, aren't you just a big book of knowledge? <laughs> That's why you're older than me. You sure you're not hitting 60 soon? Uh, no, I'm just like a few weeks older than you are, Mariana. Everybody <laughs> knows that. Let's head off to the courthouse. Director, please. How can I help? Judge Julie presiding. Good morning, Judge Julie. I've got a question for you that I would like some sort of ruling on it. It's more really clearing it up. Okay. The other day I was playing and I was dummy. And during that board, the opponent, my right-hand opponent, actually flashed two of his cards to me. And I was like, that's weird. Is there anything official that can happen or... Sort of depends on who's showing the cards, I must admit, and when they show the cards. There's stuff around before the auction starts and other times. If your opponent deliberately shows you their cards during play, and this often happens if you're a dummy, then there's nothing. There's no unauthorised information because you're not playing the hand, you can't use it. There's stuff about the fact you've been showing those two cards, and that the clearer might take some inference, but that is at, to some degree at their own risk. However, it does bring to mind the fact that when I remember years ago, like the first congresses we played, where people who were a declarer would show their partner who was dummy their hand, you know, by just putting it across the table, or a dummy would go and get a water and come back and see what declarer had. And that was actually done quite commonly. I don't know what the laws were in the 60s, but in general, they always have been that once dummy sees their partner's hand in any form, there becomes a whole raft of stuff oh. that dummy isn't allowed to do because they have seen their partner's hand. So it is really an inadvisable thing to do. And your question just reminded me that I had, it is so long since I've seen that happen. <laughs> but it used to be quite a 
common occurrence for some reason, just a fashion, I suppose, okay. you know, about how things get done. If an opponent shows you their hand, then there is no rule about it. I mean, you've seen the cards, they've shown you the cards, yep. as long as it's not before the start of the auction where there's some other stuff that happens. And actually, even during the auction, I would definitely get the director to the table. But once the play's in progress and they show you their hand, well, that's it. Okay. And the same if you see someone's cards because you've got their hands so far out in front of you that you can't avoid it. Most of us, and I certainly think this is just good etiquette apart from anything else personally, you ask the people to put their hand back so you mm. can't see it. But some people persist in showing you their hand because of where they hold it and you get to see the cards even though you don't want to. Right. Hey, well, what about if, as dummy, you pop off and maybe get a drink or something, you come back, are you allowed to look at the opponent's hands on the way back to the table? No. There could be things that by mannerism, a hiccup, a hesitation in doing something, that you convey to partner things about the hand. It really would be a very, very bad thing to do. Mm. On top of that, if you did do that or you'd seen your partner's hand and there are things that happen during the play, you would definitely be on the back foot. So, no, you can't look at the opponent's hand. It's not. It's an, completely inappropriate. Wow. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. Okay, yeah. then. Well, thank you for that. We shall catch you next week. Okay, looking forward to it. Okay, bye for now. So Matter Matter Open will have some results coming from that tournament this week. It will be slightly delayed as we are recording for next week, people. Our friend Ray Kerno, remember, is going to yeah. be talking to us about that trail that you're interested in. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That sounds like a great idea, the West Coast Bridge Trail. Yes. I don't think that's the official title, is it? No, I don't think so, but it's in its infancy and... I think it'll be really cool. And once we get back to the normal levels, people might be able to go down and have a look at it. Yeah, it would be, be awesome. I've never been to the West Coast. Looking forward to it. As we head into the second segment of our discussion with Larry Cohen, and you want to check out his website, have a look, www.larryco.com. So your online website, Larry, gives so much access for bridge players worldwide to join in on and learn. Once the COVID season is over, do you think there may be a decline in online services? Well, I suppose little by little, people will go back more to face-to-face bridge and more to having a life like traveling. And so I expect that online bridge playing and online bridge lessons will little by little decrease. But I don't think they're going to disappear. I believe that too many people in this last year discover how much they like to be at home on their computer and do bridge. So I think it's here to stay, mm. just at a lower volume. And I think we've, we're actually finding that a little bit here where we have sort of got back to face-to-face bridge to a, to a large extent. There are some people that have been a bit slow to, to get yeah. back there, and, and online is just so easy, isn't it? Well, sure, you don't, you know, you can be in your pajamas or, or worse. You could, um, nobody sneezing and getting germs on you. You're not going to get sick. You don't have to travel. You don't have to drive at night. So you can do it whenever you want. So there's all those advantages. However, 
I think I'm like most people that we just would rather play face to face and it's just you know it's kind of like part of bridge is the interaction and the laughter right, and the yeah. just even playing the cards so I, I think people miss that and it online you just can't get all of that feel yeah but as you said there are still some people that are a bit nervous about going back to face to face bridge for those mm. those reasons you mentioned um and for them maybe they'll they'll be hanging around online for for quite a bit longer Sure, and as people get older and mobile, you know, they can't get in a car. It's just, it's going to serve a purpose, and yes, it will. I think it's here to stay. Mariana, what do you want to ask him about cruise ships? <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering if people have, if you've seen a lot of interest and in people can't wait for your cruise ship programs to to start happening again. Do you have to battle those emails, Larry? Actually, we didn't know what to expect when we recently started to promote some actual cruises and the response was amazing it was stronger than ever so i think there was a lot of pent-up demand as soon as we put it out there it was like pretty much sold out with i would say triple at least the response we used to get so i think people just were missing it and chomping at the bit to get back out there and into real life and I, I don't know if, how if it will sustain itself but the initial response was a huge surge i, I was pleasantly surprised to see that it's, that's amazing I thought, I thought once again that some people would be you know cruise ships might be a bit, a bit scary for some people who were, were worried about the coronavirus i believe the way these things were structured was that people know that they can cancel if it looks like coronavirus is still going to be a problem. In other words, the cruise lines have said, okay, look, you booked this, but we understand that if by the time, say, October rolls around, the situation doesn't quite look safe yet, you can then postpone it a year. So I believe as long as people knew that they could change their mind if it still looks bad, that that was enough of an incentive to entice them. I don't think anyone's, like nobody's going to get on a ship as we're talking, it's it's March 2021, nobody's going to get on a ship this month, but, you know, in half a year, who knows. Tell us about Bridge Made Simple, Larry. Well, that's the name we decided to use to the webinars I've been teaching every Thursday with some of my cohorts where we're kind of also putting them under that umbrella. We just like the term bridge made simple because that's always been my teaching philosophy is to just keep things very simple and try not to overwhelm people with conventions and memory and complicated stuff. I just like to keep it simple. I don't know if the expression K-I-S-S is popular for you guys, keep it simple, sweetheart. Well, we didn't say sweetheart. But. <laughs> no. Well, we I, I cleaned sweetheart. it up a little. All right. Well, you could say stupid. All right. Guess you could say worse. I could think of worse things. Yes, you so, could. Yes. Yeah, that's a good philosophy for sure. And just touching base again on your book, Defence, on the other hand with David Bird, did you want to share some more information about that? So, yeah, I'm proud of it. I were, working with David Bird was such a joy. He, you know, he's written more bridge books than anybody. It's 140 or so. Wow. So to work with him 
on that book was kind of treat for me, and he was great to work with. So well, his books are great I'm too. Proud he's, of that. Oh, his books are very entertaining, aren't they? So, so they're all... yeah, he's a great writer, and he's a great guy. We got to email back and forth across the ocean every day when we were working on it, and he's very witty and funny, so I enjoyed that. Now, what's this? Is this a true story that you and Marty Bergen are making a comeback, or maybe that's a <laughs> well, bit overstated? Well, every now and then that happens. It's kind of like, you know, these rock bands break up and then they get back together. <laughs> so I did play live with Marty about four years ago at a tournament, and I survived the week, but we haven't played since, and we're going to just do some demonstration playing online for teaching. Like, I'm going to play a session with Marty online, and I'm going to commentate at the same time for my students so they can watch me play and see what I'm thinking. So Marty's just going to be my partner, because I think they'll find that entertaining. Well, they but might, I'm not going back to big time. They, they <laughs> might do. I'm just wondering whether, you know, some of the things you're thinking about, some of Marty's bids might need to be censored, though, Mary. Yeah. Well, I might have to <laughs> hold my tongue a little and be careful what I say, because, you know, Marty might watch the recording after, so I'll try to be civilized. You know, anyone who knows Marty Bergen, he can be very provocative in, in his bidding. He's extremely <laughs> aggressive. An imaginative player. <laughs> well, the other question that I think one of the memorable things from last time we spoke to you, Larry, was you, you played something with Marty and he sent you this this long system that you wouldn't agree to play, so he, he didn't he reduce the size of the... Oh, that's right. <laughs> Keep it to 20 yeah, pages Yeah, right. I told him like 20 that. pages and he sent me 40 and I said, that's too many. So he just put, put the print size in half and <laughs> crammed it into 20. So and what's going to happen this time? <laughs> Yeah, well, for this exhibition, I told him, look, we'll use the same 40, but I'm not going to study it. And I actually am hoping that that we screw something up so I can make the point to my students. Look, see what happens when you try to play too much stuff? So if we have a system accident, it's fine with me. <laughs> yeah, every cloud has a silver lining, Larry. Yeah, okay. so I don't care. Heads I win, tails I win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, now I've got a couple of fun questions for you, which I hope you'll answer for your all the bridge players out there. What attributes should you look for in a bridge partner? <laughs> you know, I was thinking you could ask the same question of a spouse, you know, <laughs> for marriage, and the answer, <laughs> you know, there's so much overlap there. So I guess the answer wouldn't be the same for everybody. For me, the attribute would be that they have the same system desire requirements that I have. In other words, I like simple systems. So my partner would be someone who doesn't like to play a lot of fancy systems. So that's the first attribute that would be necessary. And the second attribute for me that is crucial would be that they are peaceful and calm at the table. I don't want any yelling or theatrics or complaining or faces. So those two attributes, simple system and friendly, peaceful, no yelling, are what's what I would require. But not everyone would give the same answer. Uh, I mean, I would think the, the main answer for most people would be that they play bridge well. <laughs> Yeah. And I didn't say that because I'm just assuming that any partner I'm going to play with is going to play bridge well. So that's got to be 
part of the formula too, doesn't it? That they they know how to take a trick. <laughs> I can see what you're saying. I'm just wondering if we asked Marty Bergen the same question, what his answer would be. It would not be the same as yours, obviously. No, it would not. He would want. <laughs> first of all, he doesn't care too much about how his partner behaves. He's much more thick-skinned than me, and you know he can <laughs> handle criticism at the table. And he would like somebody who is willing to work a bit on system. So in that regard, we weren't really a match made in heaven at all. We did well when we played as partners. It was in the 1980s, but, you know, that partnership ended just like a marriage might end because we really were not compatible. My compatible partner was David Berkowitz for 20 years because he kept it simple with me. And after a few outbursts, the first month or two when I put him in his place after that he learned to behave himself at the table so <laughs> so we were great <laughs> okay so, I've been watching Married at First Sight this is funny and it's a, it sounds exactly the same <laughs> it does they just well, come up I, together and they're like you're married and it's like right what do we have to sort of figure out it's like no well, I get asked a lot it's almost like playing psychologist or marriage yeah. counsellor I, I think that, you know, Barry, you said it's a fun question, but I think it's a very serious and important question that for, you know, serious players, choosing the right partner is crucial. And knowing how to almost like interview them, like a a matching dating site, you you really want to find, other than, of course, that they play bridge up to your standards, all those little attributes of personality and getting along are very important. When I wrote the question, when I wrote the question out, I said, "What attributes should you look for in a partner?" And at that point, and then I thought, "Geez, I better put just bridge in there because otherwise, (laughs) 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 could go anywhere." It's (laughs) it's funny in my marriage. Yeah, I'm very happily married for more than twenty years now, and I think it works because my wife is very like peaceful. She's not like a fighter or argumentative or high strung, and I think you know there's something to to that analogy that a marriage part what you would want in your uh, marriage is probably similar to what you would want in your bridge partner okay i've been playing bridge with my wife for the last 20 years larry so (laughs) you're a brave man it can can work well. And but, you're still um, married. Yeah, indeed. indeed. Yes, they are. They are. <laughs> wow. Boy, don't you love his accent? And our final segment with Larry Cohen will be aired next week. And we have a listener question. Yeah, pretty straightforward one. You'd think everybody would know what they're doing when this happens. The opposition open one of a seat, say one spade, and your partner doubles, and it goes past to you. What do you do? You know, oh, you're yeah. an awful lot of people saying, oh, you just bid your long suit. Well, that's sort of right, but the next question is what levels do you bid the long suit at? It goes one spade pass to you and you bid two diamonds. It's a pretty weak bid, man. Two diamonds is basically saying, oh man, you've made me bid. I've bid two diamonds. I may not have any points at all. What that means is if you have got a few points or even a bit of shape, say you've got six card diamond suit or something and you've got some points, eight plus, you need to show some sign of life, Mariana. And <laughs> now you've got to a that, pulse. Yes, there is a pulse. I'm warm and breathing, right? (laughs) So to do that, you have to jump to three diamonds. That's not forcing or anything. It just says, hey, partner, I'm not actually completely destitute. I've got some values. I'm interested in game if you've got a bit extra. But if you've just got an ordinary opening hand, you probably should pass. Just remember that. I've seen people bid two diamonds with a 12 count. Well, their partner's never going to move. They're going to leave them. You've both got an opening hand. 
if you've got an opening hand, well, hey, you need to actually be putting games somewhere. <laughs> Do something constructive. Grab the bull by the horns, Mariana, and go for it. <laughs> well, that sounds awesome. And if you get it wrong, people, just blame Barry Jones. I've got an right. email that you can contact them on, bridzoneshuffle at gmail.com. I don't believe it. She's remembered it two weeks in a row. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, people, that's another week with the Bridge Zone. Thanks so much for listening. Catch us up next week. Hey, and goodbye to all those Aussies that are obviously listening to us. Keep yeah. on listening. Keep on keeping on. Bye for now. Bye for now. This program is sponsored by New Zealand Bridge, sponsors of Grassroots Bridge across the nation. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.